Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let us know how we are doing. Plus, subscribe to YouTube as well. We're on the YouTubes now. We're getting all popular with all that stuff. But going on to my guest is this week, I have Lucy, and she is a writer and marketing leader with 10 plus years in SAAS space, taking content and customer marketing teams from Series B through IPO. And she loves yoga and being a mom, which is always a great thing. I hope I hope all you ladies have kids love being moms too. But she is also the director of content at Ally.io, which was acquired by Microsoft. But welcome to the show, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Reporting to you live from my mother-in-law's art studio. Mm. We got to do what we got to do. I'm in a rental kind of bedroom slash office. So <laughs> I feel you on this one. But anyways, are you a coffee or tea drinker is what I always ask my first question for my guests. Oh, coffee for sure. But I'll drink tea. I like tea. Tea's like a nice friend, but coffee's my significant other. So I get you. It's like, if I don't have it, it's like, where did my significant other go? Like, why, why are they failing me? <laughs> yeah, I can't survive. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I gave a brief summary of your expertise but can you give a little bit more for our audience yeah yeah so um i kind of landed by happenstance in the tech space by way of journalism and publishing um in the you know early to mid aughts like i think so many ex-journalists and publishing folks um started at a small startup called simply measured a social analytics um tech company and kind of worked my way up there from a content writer to leading the content team and the marketing team. And then we got acquired by Sprout Social, kind of completing that story that that they were telling around um, social media as a true, you know, business and, and art. Um, and so bringing in more of the analytics, listening, um, data-driven piece of that. And then I, at Sprout, I led our customer marketing growth team. So partnering really closely with our sales team um, and building a lot of campaigns to engage and grow our customer base, among other other hats I wore along the way there. Um, and then landed back with Kevin Shively, who was my boss back in the Simply Measured days at Ally to build out the content team um, and content motion at Ally. And we recently were acquired by Microsoft. So a lot of um, big changes towards the ends of this year, but all exciting stuff. All right. That's a lot of small startups getting acquired type of thing. So you under, kind of understand like the way through the, to the IPO or even being acquired for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the uncertainties and upsides and um, excitement and learning opportunities and all of the, you know, the good, bad, the ugly that, that come with it for sure. I think it's... um. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's it's 
it's just kind of par for the course. I think if you work in SaaS, like you, there's just a few different kinds of trajectories that you can go for. So um, if you work in the SaaS space long enough and, um, and, and, and pick the right ones, then you will, you too will have that experience for sure. Yeah. And speaking of service as a software or SaaS, as you called it, it's actually grown in quite big popularity. I don't think there's anything you can't do or can't buy without a subscription service attached to it. But how can small marketing teams like yourself or even one man's, because I'm pretty sure some of them actually just have one person doing it. How can they actually market and create contact that, content that attracts customers? So I'm pretty sure that's a difficult thing when you have so many different other SaaS companies trying to vie for your money and attention. Yeah, that's a that's kind of the million dollar question. I think the biggest and most fundamental piece is really understanding your audience and not assuming that you know your audience and not assuming that your audience is the one that you initially set out to get, but really, you know, whether that's, I was just talking about this today, listening to gong calls, like listening to your customers and leads and what, what they're saying their pain points are and what they care about and um, what they're worried about and what they're excited about. And then just using that, using that as your starting point, I think. Um, and I think if, if you start there, the rest, the rest will follow. Um, I think making sure you stay away from overly salesy content. I like let your sales team do the selling. What you can do is the content creator and the content leader is just provide a ton of value and build that trust so that when the, the person in the company is ready to buy, they think of you as, Hey, like, I want to know about, you know, in my case, OKRs and goal management and how to build that throughout an enterprise organization. I can really trust the content that this team puts out and thus I can trust their brand. And thus I'm willing to engage in these conversations that have, you know, great value and also have deep price tags. So I think making sure, um, you know, of course, as a content leader, you're you're going to part of that is going to be delivering sales enablement and all those things for the sales team, but making sure that the the foundation of what you're creating is value, value, value for that person. And of course, to get back to my original point, to do that, you really need to understand who that person is. Gotcha. And I mean, is there any types of tools that you actually use to actually do this? Maybe like Canva for content creation or something like that. Is there any tools to help? Maybe some of the people listening just don't really know how to do content very well and just need those templates mm -hmm. to help them at least get started. Is there anything that helped you get started with that or was it more just learning Photoshop? We're lucky because, you know, we have a designer, an amazing designer who works in Adobe and has, you know, years of experience and um, all the best tools. So we're kind of privileged, but yes, back in the day when it was a leaner team, um, definitely would dip there into Canva and, you know, just start moving things around and slacking it to coworkers and saying, Hey, does this look terrible or can we use this? Like, what do you think? Um, I think something that Sprout Social taught me really well was the importance of really sharp, consistent, visuals and a, more of a process around, 
you know, what is allowed to go through and what, what, what you're allowed to, to share with the broader audience and creating those guidelines of those, those um, guideposts. I think, um, you know, it's interesting because when you're smaller and leaner, it's like, get it out. Let's just publish. Let's just get all this content out, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's a need for that. And, and there's a time and a place for that. However, I also think there's a time when you need to slow down, do less, really build visual and, you know, brand identity and voice, um, and make sure that everyone's kind of adhering to that. Um, And, you know, never knowing when someone's going to encounter your brand for their first time, when they're going to, you know, see a social post from you for the first time, when they're going to see an email from you for the first time, and wanting every touch point to be, you know, consistent, cohesive, value-driven, speaking in a voice and in a way that that consumer understands and and resonates with them. So, um, I think that's kind of a, a bigger, a bigger conversation, but yes, I think, you know, if you're just starting out and you want to, you know, have tools that can accommodate you right now, I think using tools like Canva or even some of Adobe's free tools is a great place to start. And maybe even using that as a starting point for starting to evangelize within your very lean team, you know, obviously more than if you're more than one person, um, like, if we have a cohesive set of Canva assets, like here's the assets we're going to be using for this, you know, year, quarter, et cetera, delivering those, packaging those and starting to begin that process of a cohesive brand identity, even at that early stage, I think is important. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even going off of what you said about cohesiveness and just kind of figuring out your content standards, I guess the best way of saying it, is there a way for I guess small PR teams or even one man people to like almost create a guidelines for themselves and maybe for the team too, just in case someone decides to go, Hey, look what I made. You're like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. I don't think this is great. So is there a way of doing that just so you keep it standardized? Because I feel like that's going to be the hardest part, especially with startups is standardizing and making sure it looks cohesive, as you said. Yeah. I think have a hub like your wiki or your, you know, whatever, if you have an internal, you know, web situation um, where you have all the zip files of all the assets, like the right size logos and guidelines that are not overly like treacherous. I think also sometimes us brand nerds are like, we need to give every little detail about how everything needs to be used. And, you know, think about who you're speaking to, which is probably sales team that needs to drop, drag and drop things into decks. You know, um, it's probably like a CSM who's doing a QBR and really needs some quick and dirty charts or again, logo mock-ups. So I think just being thorough, but also being clear and, and keeping it simple. Um, and just having a hub for that. And then also making sure you have a Slack channel or Microsoft Teams channel, whatever you're using, dedicated to content or brand or whatever you want to call it with pinned assets there um, and sort of someone who owns that channel so that if there are any questions, they everyone knows who to go to and who to ask. 
Um, the other piece of this, I think, is evangelizing throughout the organization. So at the all hands or at the, you know, in individual team meetings, going in and, and speaking to teams and kind of getting them amped about the brand and the brand you're building and why brand is important. And also using that as a way to say, and hey, standards are important. Here's what happens when that doesn't happen, you know, and here's what happens when it does happen. And we want to be an example of when that does happen. Um, so I think those are some pretty basic ways of, of dipping your toes in there. And, um, you know, you just, you, I think it's a lot, also a lot about relationships too, where, you know, you, you build strong enough relationships with folks throughout the organization so that you can say, Hey, Chris, the sales guy, like saw that deck. That's cool. But like, can we not next time in a way where you've built that trust, you've built that, um, rapport and you can have that conversation in a way that's meaningful because chances are, you know, Chris, the sales guy is invested in, in appearing and coming off well to his, to the people he's presenting to. So, um, you know, like that opens a conversation where he'll probably say, Hey, actually, can you come talk to my team about that? So I think that relationship building piece is important too. And then the final thing I'll say about this, if I today were start, you know, in charge of brand at a brand new startup, and I had serious graphic design chops, the first asset I would create is a really amazing slide deck template in PowerPoint and in Google Slides. And like, that would be the first thing I would do so that when someone in their instance of Google Slides, like starts a new deck, that is what comes up. There's a way to do that. And I think, and like, there's no, and creating like basically no option for just the kind of basic Google Slides format or the basic PowerPoint format. Um, because, you know, a lot of times on my content team, even today, like we'll get requests to clean up decks, you know, and so much of that can be avoided if you just have a really killer and thorough deck template that everyone can drag and drop into. Gotcha. And then still talking about content, what is the most effective content for SAS? Is it, or SAS, is it, uh, is it podcasting now? Is it Clubhouse? Is Everybody's trying to figure out Clubhouse. Is it videos? Is it pictures? Like, what is it? And I'm pretty sure it's industry specific, but what is the kind of similarities we've seen with what content actually works? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be so different for every, um, you know, for every brand. I think a huge, you know, are you B2B or B2C? That's a huge differentiator, like right off the bat. Um I think Clubhouse definitely had its big pandemic moment. And, um, you know, I think that the, there's been a little leaning off the gas there a bit. Um, but I think it's really find out where your audience spends the most time. So, you know, to use an example, I think a mistake I see a lot of SaaS brands make, B2B SaaS brands make, is they're heavily on LinkedIn they're heavily on Twitter um, and they're nowhere to be found on Instagram or on TikTok. TikTok's tricky. That's like a whole other, whole other conversation. Cause I think um, it, there you really have to start with the people you, as a brand coming on and just trying to do your brand thing can go terribly. But um, I think, you know, yes, your, your B2B SaaS buyer, of course, is on LinkedIn a lot looking into their career, career development, learning. 
they're on Twitter a lot, you know, just like getting the news and the trend lines. But they're also, chances are on Instagram, just as a human, like looking at photos of their friends' babies and dogs and whatever. And if you can find a way to get in front of them there in an authentic way, again, an authentic way, like not like salesy, buy, 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 but in a way that connects your brand to, to them, um, then I think you got dynamite. But yeah, I would say, I don't think there's like a silver bullet answer here. I think it's like, really understand where your audience spends the most time online and go there and just invest in those. And I think also the fewer the channels, the better. So I think instead of trying to be jack of all trades, really hone in on like two to three channels, like max, I think, especially at first, if you're newer um, and go all in there. Mm -hmm. And has content, and this is probably appropriate, has content gotten more complex for SaaS marketing? Has it been basically like, we have to do video, it's a live streaming, especially bigger teams, we have to do this, this, and for small teams, they feel like they have to like catch up with all the big teams. Um, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I think what a brand team is asked to do varies greatly from organization to organization. So I think, and especially if you're talking about a smaller company or on a smaller team, those priorities are going to be very, very different from a business perspective than at a larger, more well-established organization. So I kind of feel like it's not, you can't really compare apples to apples there because, um, you know, often at a smaller company, it's like, let's just get people to know about us, like know who we are, know how great our product is. This is what's usually coming from leadership. Like, know, like, just know about us, like know we exist essentially, where as you grow, the business needs become more complex you know, maybe your market knows about you, but now you need to differentiate yourself from a competitor who does a similar thing, maybe even has a similar product, but you need to somehow show up as the one who can be trusted, who's, you know, worth the partnership and investment. Or maybe it's that you've saturated the market for, you know, growth of acquiring new customers. And now you need to take the customers you have and you need to get them onto larger subscriptions with you, larger, larger investment with you. Um, so I think as you grow the complexities and what you're trying to accomplish grow and the need to focus becomes even more critical. Mm -hmm. That's, that sounds about right. Focus on what's more important. It seems like. Yeah. And, and having to say there's my old boss, shout out Tara. Um, Robertson, who's the CMO at Teamwork right now, but she's amazing. And one of the her mantras was is and was um, there's a lot we could do. What should we do? So I think that as in in the high growth stage, that's when um, you need to slow down enough to make those decisions. And then yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think we all do. That's a kind of lifeline thing. Focus on what you're good at. Focus on. What's important, that type of thing. I mean, this feels like something for marketing or small teams too. 
focus on what your business is good at and focus on what your business or what your content will help your business be good at. It seems like. Yeah. 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 And I mean, how should marketing teams help their startup become from, because you've been through the series B to the IPO to the acquired. How does that work for a lot of marketing teams? How can they help their business go through that, I guess, journey of IPO or acquired and, how can and how is it tr- how can they transition that to from company to being acquired? Yeah, so I think the first part of that question um, around you know how do you get to the success point and awareness point in the market where you would be a good target for an acquisition? Um, I think that's again building the trust of. The market so having really strong quality blog or social content well not or and and webinar program maybe and whatever you know insert whatever content makes sense for your business but making sure that you know you're having strong caliber guests on there on those webinars or on those linkedin lives or on those you know you know guides that you're putting out or blogs that you're putting out um making sure that the voice and tone is consistent and will resonates with your audience. It's just like making sure you're creating a really unique and um, strong content program. And then I think once that happens and you have your distribution channels on lock, then you start to gain attention. Now, I think very few companies are acquired strictly for their content and, you know, marketing structure. So, I mean, it does happen actually, but few. Um, But I certainly think it's a critical part of what can get you, um, what can get you in front of those who might want to acquire you. And then from the, you know, IPO standpoint, that's a whole other can of beans where it's like, that's when you have to grow up a little bit. That's when, you know, if there's a, you know, curse word in one of your company values, you might want to take that out. That's where, when, um, that's where you want to make sure you maybe want to do a content audit of everything that you've put online and see like, is this up to our standards? Oh, this is my dog. Thank you. Um, (laughs) and okay. Yeah. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Can you? I'm sorry. Mom's on a podcast. Um, that's where I'm just going to let this happen. That's where, um, you might want to, you know, you just have to, you might want to be a little more critical about what you publish on your blog or on, you know, whatever content that you're putting out there. Um, (laughs) sorry, my dog is on my climbing onto my lap. Okay. Sorry about this. Okay. Um, so <laughs> might have to edit some of this out or you can keep it in. It's very true to my lifestyle as a, just a servant to this dog. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, that, that's its own set of challenges. Um, and no, please get comfortable. I don't want to disturb you. Um, <laughs> so and then, and then, so I think like that, that's its own set of challenges. Um, I would say, 
The second part of that question, which now I'm blanking on, can you ask about transitioning to uh, getting acquired? How do you transition all that stuff from being your own company to being acquired into a bigger company? Right. And, you know, that's definitely an art and it's like it's more of an art than a science. I think, you know, some with sometimes when you're acquired, the the new your new leaders will come in and they'll say, we have a definite vision for what we want and when we want it done. And, you know, here's the marching orders and, you know, let's go. In other situations, it will be, let's figure this out together. And, you know, the new, your new leaders kind of want some time to absorb and see what's going on and understand, you know, what resonates for you there. I think something that can help as the content person, as the brand person, as the marketing leader is, to take some initiative and sort of come to the table with here's a deck of our top performing content. Here's what we know works with our market. Here's our audience. Here's what doesn't work. Um, any questions and can I help you dig up any other data and can I help you, um, you know, brainstorm away our way forward for bringing these two brands together in a way that makes sense. Um, And that won't always make sense too. You know, some acquisitions, it will be, we're acquiring you for your technology and the content marketing is not important to, to us. Um, So again, you know, you kind of just, it's like this very interesting dance of needing to be wanting to show what you've done and, and what you've done for the brand and how your brand can fit in with the, the brand that's acquired you. Um, But also you know, taking the lead from, from your new leaders. Gotcha. And what is the future? I think um, the future is going to look a lot like what happened on this call, which is me taking a call from my mother-in-law's art room because we are staying here for, for a month, you know, while and working, but able to stay here. And even though we normally live in New York, we're in Seattle right now. Um, I think the future looks like your dog coming in to interrupt you on the podcast. I think the the lines between work and your quote unquote life have blurred tremendously. And I see it all the time. Um, you know, conversations are happening at work that didn't used to happen at work, you know, where, where people are more asking for what they need and, um, asking for flexibility in a direct way and great work is still getting done. It's just happening in a different way. So I think that will only continue because I think people have liked that. People have liked, have liked that flexibility. Um, I think the challenge is that how do we keep our teams connected and excited about their work and focused around our company and feeling a sense of accomplishment. How do we keep those things going when we're not always in the same room? Um, you know, physically, how do we do that virtually? And I think that's a, a problem that still hasn't been totally solved. And, um, you know, do you center, make sure that, that, that conversations and work is centered always around goals and objectives and making sure that that's always clear. So people, even in a more fractured work environment, understand why they're doing what they're doing, understand that why. Um, 
So is it about, you know, really leaning in and doubling down on goal management methodologies and all of that? Is it about, you know, trying as much as you can to maybe have a at least a quarterly get together where, you know, everyone tries to do it as safely as possible? Is it about, um, you know, what have you? So I think the future uh, is hybrid work, really. I do think that that is definitely the case in SaaS and, and for tech companies. Um, and I think how do we do that well and, and do good work? I think about that not only from, you know, what Ally and, and Microsoft from the employee experience perspective, um, you know, what, what we're trying, the, the thought leadership we're trying to bring to market, but also, you know, for my own team. And um, that's, yeah, that's, uh, I think, no matter what kind of SaaS company you are, uh, you are thinking about that. If you were a leader in SaaS and, or a manager, you are thinking about that right now. All right. And fun question for you. What is one thing you would like to change within the SaaS model or the SaaS industry? Great question. I think... I would like, you know, the age old response to this for me is like, I would love to see more women and people of color in leadership um, and not just like managerial positions really at the top of the, the food chain. Um, and I, I think that as we talk about, you know, hybrid work and um, especially like for me being a mom um, and more flexible ways of working, that's, that's one avenue towards that, that goal. Um, that's, that's what I would like to see. All right. Any final thoughts for the listeners? Um, I, I would say, you know, I think especially for more creative minded people, being data driven and being super goal focused and really like ruthlessly prioritizing what you're working on and cutting out anything that doesn't fit into that, that ruthless prioritization that you've taken the time to thoughtfully go through um, can seem like scary or hard or um, like just kind of, I don't know, robotic for lack of a better word. I, I don't know. Um, but actually it it's freedom because when you have the data and can show the performance data and can tell that story using the data, um, and then you can bring that into conversations and you can show how everything you're working towards somehow works towards the business goals. Um, you can get the buy-in you need for the resources that you want. And you can, you know, you know, you can like get that video editor that you wanted. Um, you just have to make a business case for it and, and lean into the data. And then, you know, the world is yours. All right. Thank you, Lucy, for joining PR360 and sharing knowledge about content and SaaS and everything else in between. Thank you. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. Let us know how we're doing. And subscribe on YouTube as well. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. 
get to understanding your data for your content and see you next week. Later.